0: talk to you in this podcast about the evangelical crisis. Now, you know that I have written about religion in America, talked about it. I talk a lot about evangelicals on this podcast because uh, there's such a force in our society. But evangelicals today are in crisis. It is largely because so many evangelicals, and especially evangelical leaders, are wed to Donald Trump, and that's become a wild ride. And so there are real issues in our society regarding evangelicals evangelicals and I'd like to address some of them in this podcast. Now for those of you who might not have been with us in po- past podcasts when we've talked about evangelicals, let me just make sure you know a little bit of background. The word evangelical comes from the Greek word that's used in the Bible for good news. You probably know that the Christian gospel, the truth about Jesus Christ is called the good news. You've probably seen books named Good News and churches titled Good News Fellowship or whatever. And uh, so this word, the Greek word euangelion, uh, means good news. And then we put a V on it in English, so it becomes evangelical. And that basically is those who are evangelistic. And that's really what distinguishes uh, evangelicals more than any other single thing, uh, is that rather than just believing they should be Christians and not really share it outside of their fold, uh, they believe that they should be active in sharing their faith, that Christianity is the answer for all men, and that Christians should be active in sharing their faith. So they are evangelicals who are evangelistic now they also believe that uh, the Bible is the Word of God that of course it has to be rightly interpreted but it's God's inspired it God moved men to write it uh, they believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God etc and you you know these things because you you hear them being discussed in our culture but that's who evangelicals are now evangelicals quite frankly are are, are not that unusual in American history and world history and and they're they're not that weird by the way the whole idea that evangelicals want to share what they find to be good news is pretty much just normal human behavior you know if you find a shampoo that you like a movie you're crazy about a book you love or for that matter a sushi joint that you're into you know you're going to tell as many people as you know you're going to tell all your friends you're going to get excited about it and talk about it well That's what evangelicals do. Uh, They talk about what they're excited about, and I think it's kind of unnatural to expect that they would do anything else. But what's happened in American history uh, is that evangelicals have become increasingly politically active. You have evangelicals in American history as early as the 1800s and late 1700s, George Whitefield, great revivalist leader in the 1700s, uh, others who were influenced by the Wesleys, um, Charles Finney, great revival leader like that, Moody, maybe you know some of these words, Billy Sunday. I could go on and on with just examples of people who are noted evangelicals, but basically they're people who have been captured by the gospel of Jesus Christ and want to share it with the world. That's basically what they are. Well, Beginning in around the 1970s, 1980s in American politics, evangelicals became increasingly politically outspoken. This was largely under the leadership of Jerry Falwell Sr. Uh, There were others who encouraged it as well. And I have to say, again, I'm not defending all of what's happened in that regard, but it's not that unusual for religion to have political implications. Even Hinduism, even Buddhism, uh, even religions that tend to be a little bit. Uh, moving away from focus on daily reality, a little bit more esoteric, a little bit more mystical, a little bit more otherworldly. Still, there are political implications to what they believe. That's why we we we, we read about and learn about Buddhist priests, uh, you know, setting themselves aflame and uh, during the Vietnam War and more recently, etc. So, so religion does. Almost always have some kind of political implication. The values that religion holds to uh, can gets codified into into political politics and law and therefore becomes of interest, becomes of influence. Well, so what what's happened in recent history though uh is that evangelicals have become more and more politically active and this really came to a head and to a divisive head when it came to the candidacy of Jer- of uh, of Donald Trump. Uh, We had had other presidents who were very sympathetic to evangelicals and were probably evangelicals themselves. Uh, Jimmy Carter, although he leaned leftward politically, certainly Ronald Reagan, certainly George W. Bush. But with the Trump presidency, you had a weird dynamic. You had Donald Trump at least giving lip service to the idea that he would champion political positions that evangelicals cared about, while he himself had lived a life almost completely opposite what. What evangelicals extol as morals and values. I mean, I remember flying to New York years ago and seeing on a New York newspaper that Donald Trump had said that that, that adultery is not immoral. <laughs> You know, and at one point in his life, that was the kind of, that was; those were his values. Now, uh, some folks say he's had a conversion experience since then. I'm not going to get into that. I don't, I know nothing about it. Um, but I will say that this is a man, uh, who has not lived in a, in a manner that most evangelicals would say is consistent with Christian morality. Nevertheless, Donald Trump pulled 81% of white, ev- of the white evangelical vote. Half of all Roman Catholic vote and half of the vote of regular church attenders in America in, in, in the 2016 election, pretty stunning, pretty stunning. So why is there a crisis? Why do I talk about there being there being a crisis? Why why is the, why aren't evangelicals just thrilled and Donald Trump just thriving and the rest of the world going sure it makes perfect sense? Well. The fact is that Donald Trump's life continues to unfold and his immorality continues to surface, uh, even though he champions some positions that evangelicals hold to. And I need to say quickly that it's certainly understandable why some evangelicals would have wanted to vote for Donald Trump. I mean, evangelicals for the most part did not support Trump when he was running in the primaries. Uh, There were other men who were more Christian, more experienced as Christian leaders. Some of them were even pastors running in the primaries, the Republican primaries. But by the t- time Donald Trump became the front runner and was facing Hillary Clinton, uh, if, you, if you believe that abortion was the taking of a human life, if you didn't want your gay friends molested or, or, or uh, bigotry against them, but, but you didn't want their values to prevail and for American law to be shifted in their direction, if you wanted religious liberty upheld and defended for all religions in America um etc if you wanted a strong defense um if if you if you didn't want trendy left leaning ideas infiltrating government etc then Donald Trump was your man uh, despite his personal immorality and that was really the issue in the general election i don't know why evangelicals uh didn't rally to one of the republican primary candidates over Donald Trump but Ultimately, when it came down to a general election, uh, if you held the kind of values that I was just describing, you you were going to vote for Donald Trump. And that's what people did. Now, the problem is twofold. First of all, the religious leaders, evangelical leaders in America, were so stridently in support of Donald Trump during the election um, that they just engaged in a religious rebranding. I mean, they got in bed with him. They joined his PR team. They have just defended him at every turn. And the problem is that certain revelations of his immorality and certainly his crass behavior in office uh, continue to come to the surface. And so you literally end up with noted religious leaders in America defending Donald Trump after revelations that he had an affair with a porn star shortly after his current wife gave birth to their son. So you can understand the conundrum. I actually watched a CNN interview not too long ago. The interviewer, a female on CNN, was quoting scripture and asking a noted Christian publisher uh, why he could support Donald Trump's behavior when it was contrary to scripture. And this noted publisher, uh happily stepped into the position of defending Donald Trump uh and even defending his behavior and saying he's changed he's changed he's a different man so so he he here he was a christian publisher defending a man's uh life and even his immorality and here the journalist was saying but this doesn't align with scripture it was a very weird reversal of roles now let me get down to it uh, i believe that there is a crisis happening in the evangelical world, and I believe it's happened largely because these evangelical leaders, these religious leaders, have gone, have become too much wed to Donald Trump. And I'm, I'm going to make three recommendations for them and for the rest of us. That I think will help solve this crisis. Uh, I, I suppose I should be more clear about the crisis first. I, I, it's, it's very clear that there's a backlash against evangelicals. It's very clear uh, that Republicans are very likely to get bashed at the mid, at the midterms, uh, and that that it's very possible Donald Trump could lose uh, in the second presidential election. Um, and there is a backlash. And even even if Trump were to win, even if he were to go the full eight years, uh, the fact is that churches are in crisis families are in crisis. Why? Because there's a backlash against the full-throated evangelical support for Donald Trump. Even within evangelicalism, evangelicals of color are saying, why in the world did you white evangelicals vote for Donald Trump when it was obvious that he wasn't real happy about those of us who are of darker skin color? And those questions are being asked. Millennials who are social uh, social justice oriented, uh, they are moving away from evangelical churches. They are questioning uh, conservative Christianity in this country in greater numbers because they're offended by Donald Trump. So I think we've got a crisis happening here, and I want to make three recommendations for, for everyone who is concerned about this issue. And the first issue is this. I, I think it's obvious that many of the evangelical leaders who have been outspoken in support of Donald Trump and many 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 Pew sitting evangelicals, many just common everyday evangelicals who are not leaders, do not have a clear Christian understanding of what Christian statesmanship is. What does... Christian statecraft look like? What does statesmanship look like? What does it look like to be a noble Christian in office? What should that be? We should be asking those questions. this, This should be taught in our churches. It should be taught in our Christian schools. What does a Christian view of politics look like? And out of that, what does What is biblical statesmanship? Because if we don't have a clear understanding of that, we won't have a a clear measuring rod to hold up against any candidate. And so we end up just choosing between the two options in an election. And that's exactly what a lot of these evangelical leaders did. They didn't have a righteous standard. They didn't have a clear theology of Christian statesmanship. They, they didn't know a biblical view of the issues. Um, and so they did not have a clear measuring rod to hold up to any candidate. So they sided with whoever came close to their values. And I think we're paying for it. I think there's a huge division in the evangelical and even the broader Christian world. And I think that this is kind of cause a greater problem as time goes forward. So the first issue for all of us is, what is a biblical view of politics? I'm talking about evangelicals and Christians who take the scriptures as being an absolute authority. What is a biblical view of politics in government? And what is Christian statesmanship? What does the ideal Christian political leader look like? If we don't have a fix on that, then we'll never know. How to grow into it, by the way. How to raise up people who will take that form. Number two and number three, uh, we we will we will never have a rod by which to measure anybody running for office. Number two is this: we've got to begin to maintain the uh, the the art of prophetic distance. I've talked about this a lot. I'm a big believer in it. I have chaplained politicians. I have advised them on their policies. I have helped their families. Uh, I have, as many of you know I've been a pastor in my life. In that time, I had politicians in my church. I, I, I'm not saying when I say prophetic distance to move away from the individuals. But I do believe that a Christian leader who speaks for God is not meant to join the PR team of a candidate, is not meant to be in bed with them, as we say today, uh, but instead is meant to speak to them, call them to their best, uh, speak God's truth to them, speak the scriptures, speak of morality, speak of the poor, speak of the issues that are uh, on the heart of God, as as we understand it from scripture, Uh, but, but to not so much endorse the man. In other words, we're trying to get the man to endorse God's ways rather than get us to endorse the man or the woman. And I want to say that I think this is pretty critical. I think this is pretty uh, just a valuable thing for us to learn to maintain at a leadership level some degree of prophetic distance. I'm convinced that some of our evangelical leaders in our country right now are almost incapable of saying anything critical of Donald Trump. But, but, but I can say that I'm glad he's pro-life, that I'm glad he put Judge Gorsuch, Gorsuch in office because I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of that view of law and, and, uh, and justice. And at the same time, if he had a an affair with a porn star when his wife was just recovering from giving birth to their son, this was sin. He needs to repent. If I was in a position to do so, I would go to Melania and say, uh, are you hurt? Are you considering leaving? Was this news to you? If you'd like to have somebody to talk to, I'll make sure somebody's with you a woman, a man, somebody. In other words, pastor, chaplain, the family, but don't sit there on international television and either make a claim for a change for Donald Trump that he doesn't make for himself. And by the way, not confront him. If we're going to have evangelical councils, if we're going to have advisors to the president who are religious, then they need to be able to confront the president on his behavior. We've seen that with past presidents. We've seen good people do it. And we need to be able to do it ourselves. So maintaining prophetic distance gives us the space to speak truth to power, but also to hold that power accountable. And then finally, I want to suggest to these religious leaders that they lead Coram Deo. They know what this means, this Latin phrase. It means in the face of God. In a sense, it means God's watching. But but I don't mean that in some spooky sense. I mean in the sense that we need to be able to lead in such a way that we speak our truth. Speak the truth to the society. Speak the truth. Speak about what needs to be spoken about, whoever it is, wherever it is. I mean, I got to tell you right now that the the Trump White House is is as much in chaos as I've ever seen any White House be. Why is it a desecration of a ministry to Donald Trump or a pray, prayerful care for Donald Trump and his family in the country to, for me to say that or to say that an affair with Stormy Daniels while he was married to Melania is sin? What, how 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 is that stepping down off some lofty lofty platform? That's exactly what I should be doing. That's exactly what leaders should be doing. And so I don't want to go long with this, but I do want to say that we have to be able to speak the truth we have to speak. I believe that some of these prominent evangelical leaders are stepping down from their lofty pulpits and becoming political operatives, and that's far beneath what they are made to be and what they should be. And, you know, I'm not going to get all religious and say it displeases God, but it certainly is outside of the scope of what I understand the, call, the Christian calling to the political sphere is all about. So if you're an evangelical and you're listening, don't be disheartened. Change is coming. Good people are thinking the way that I'm describing in this podcast, and I'm grateful for it. I actually learned some of this from them. Uh, if, if you are an evangelical and you have just been absolute blind Donald Trump and wondering why anybody would say anything else, I urge you to rethink it. I, yes, we want to pray for our president. Yes, we want to chaplain people in power. Yes, we want to, we want to help them when they are on the side of good. But we don't want to, to use a certain way of saying it, make the sign of the cross over everything that happens politically. Not everything that's happening in the Trump administration, Administration. Not everything that's happening on a given news network is automatically God's best, God's will, uh, moral and good and true. We got to we got to bless what we can bless, where we can bless it. We've got to challenge what we can challenge, where we need to challenge it. Uh, we've got to be God's people without compromise in all of our affairs, and that will help us avoid the looming evangelical crisis. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times best-selling author